1: And And this this is our
0: house.
1: house. You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front-row seat to all of the action. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and a simple to-do. All you got to do is add your lineup and feel the sweat like never before, and every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid over $7 billion to users across all sports, and DraftKings is always going to be the leader in daily fantasy sports. There's no better place to get in on all of the action. Now that you know how to play, download DraftKings app and sign up using the code THPN. That's THPN for The Hockey Podcast Network. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit, that's code THPN, THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network, to get a free entry with your first deposit, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required, eligibility restrictions apply, and see DraftKings.com for details. What's up guys, you are listening to the House of Hockey Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am Breezy.
0: And I'm your
1: other co-host, Ray Ray. <laughs> And this week we have Kevin Kurz in the house, who is the writer for the San Jose Sharks for The Athletic. So you can only imagine what this episode's about. We're talking about the San Jose Sharks.
0: <laughs> yes, and also the life of a of a journalist, a hockey journalist, and his career and how he got started and the relationships he builds with players, and he's got some good player stories and stuff like that. Uh, let's just like quick life update for everybody since if if you're watching on video or have been listening the last couple of weeks i've been on a cross country road trip um with ringo the dog and um if you're watching on video behind me i also have alex the dog which is my aunt's dog um i'm in her room right now recording this cuz i haven't you know set up my my recording space yet and I just got here yesterday from when we were filming this and uh Ringo's getting used to all the new sounds and the snow and the dogs um so I'm in Maine and um we made it and uh the road trip was crazy so I'll talk about this a little bit if if you want to hear about it but we I we me and Ringo we spent like nine total days of driving over 3,000 miles from Los Angeles to just outside of Portland, Maine. We didn't take a direct route because I went to see, um, my oldest, longest, dearest friend that I've known since I was two who lives in St. Louis. So I spent a couple days with her and then, um, No, Ringo, you stay here. You're not allowed to go run around. And then I spent a couple days in Nashville with my brother, which is where he lives, uh, to break up the trip in the middle, which was awesome. And Ringo did great. I did fine. (laughs) So when we recorded the interview with our guest this week, I was in Nashville. So uh, the background's different and all of that. And life's different again. But uh, Breezy had also requested, because you all know Breezy's Barbecue Pit, She wanted me to go to Martin's Barbecue, which is a famous barbecue spot in Nashville. However, Breezy, it Uh was closed.
1: No, that's okay. I guess that just means we need to go to Nashville together. And I just need to take you to Martin's Barbecue. Martin's Barbecue is my favorite barbecue place in the entire world.
0: Okay. Well, I just want you to know I tried. And then when we found out it was closed, I was like, well, now I want barbecue. So now yeah. we have to go get barbecue. So we went to Adley's, which I'd had before and um, the brisket was good. I, I mean, I was happy, you know, any, yeah. any like soul food when you're traveling across country is, is good. My favorite thing I saw on the whole road trip was because there's a lot of trucks, right? A lot of big semi yeah. trucks everywhere on every highway. And one of them had a plastic scrotum, plastic balls <laughs> hanging off the back, swinging, you know, as they do, um, when they're attached to the bottom of a truck and I, and they were pink and I was like, <laughs> this just like made me chuckle and also warmed my heart. And I was just like, ah, oh, I'm on the road. And like, <laughs> you know, it's only complete. Like, do you remember when there used to be those like half naked stencil women on the truck flaps i'm not yeah like the ones that like were laying with like the foot up or something like that yes yeah yeah. like Uh that was like a quintessential road trip thing that i would see like when i was younger we did a a few road trips but i didn't see any of those yeah i feel like they just are non-existent anymore it was sad. I was like looking for that and I I didn't see it, but I got a ball sack and so I was great.
1: That's, that's great. (laughs) So did you stay in any fun, crazy place? Did you have, so I'm like a big horror movie junkie as Mm. everyone probably already knows by now. And I'm always like, wow, like if you go on a road trip, you're probably going to end up staying in some like wonky places. Like I know, like You don't necessarily want to stay at these places, but you have no choice. Do you have like a Norman Bates story or anything like that?
0: (laughs) No, I mean, I did do this on a budget, right? I stayed at motels, everybody. And and the other challenge was traveling with Ringo. So not all hotels are dog friendly. And like, I'm not paying to stay at the Ritz, right? Like, because there is no Ritz in Santa Rosa, New Mexico. So, Mm -hmm. you know, your options are limited, all in all, there were they were fine. And Ringo, as you've heard in the background of this episode, barks at strangers. You know, stranger danger. <laughs> Thank you, right on cue. At like anybody coming <laughs> up the stairs, he's like, "I forgot you were here." And like so, I think he <laughs> kept like people at bay for sure. Fantastic. I'm glad. I was uh, quite worried you were this
1: entire time yeah because it's like i've seen a lot of scary movies and um i don't know man i didn't say (laughs) anything to you because i was like i don't want you to be freaking out like no i wasn't what i opened i mean even i was a little freaked out i mean i went to big bear last weekend right right and we stayed in this huge house this house on zillow was like a 1.4 million dollar house like it was huge it was insane Cause, well, there was like a group of us so we wanted to make sure that like we had like space so we we're like i mean even though we were always grouped together like this kind of defeats the purpose but like we wanted to make sure that we were in like a bigger area right. and um just a room case. yeah just in case and you could tell it was like a, a typical like cabin ish but like maybe some older people own it and decorated it you know mm-hmm. um in the room i stayed in so my friend got there the night before us because it was her birthday so me and my other friend stayed in the room with her but that room that we stayed in had like a little like balcony looking thing on the top or like a little cutout like on the wall and there was stuffed animal bears everywhere and like a rocking chair horse on the ground like right where i was sleeping and i was like uh yeah i'm putting all of this in the closet and if something goes off in the middle of the night i'm I'm out of here. I'm getting in the Jeep and I'm going, I'm going down the mountain.
0: (laughs) Um, that's wicked creepy. Like that's definitely some like next level creepy stuff happening for sure. Yeah. Like I didn't didn't... have any of that, you know, there was no like creepy guy, like walking down the hallway in the parking lot or anything. (laughs) thank
1: god jesus
0: i definitely <laughs> didn't have any of that that's great yeah i went like, yeah no norman bates no horror no movies. norman
1: bates no uh open vacancy no wait yes
0: shut the front door brent seabrook retired <laughs> he did oh my god i was driving Because, of course, I was. And the little alert from ESPN came on, and I just glanced at it. And I was like, what? Brent Seabrook retired? Like, I mean, we all knew that was happening. He had, like, five major body surgeries in the last year. And I don't think he could really skate to the potential that he wanted to. I'm sure he can, but not to you know, Stanley Cup level, but he retired. I'm yeah. glad that he's okay. I'm sad that he retired in the way he did. But mm-hmm. my first thought selfishly was, does this free up cap space? Yeah. <laughs> Which unfortunately oh, I don't think it does. But anyway, that's.
1: Yeah. I don't think fun. it does either. I kind of shut the front door. I want to take a play on this. Daryl Sutter is now the head coach of the Calgary Flames. Yeah. What? And I was like. What? This is actually pretty cool. You know, I was a fan of Daryl Sutter. Obviously he brought two cups, but um I just think the guy's cool. Like he just doesn't have like he's just so straight faced. I think he's a good coach. I love his son Chris. Um and Daryl Sutter has a farm in Calgary, so it's like not that far. So like he stayed at home, basically. Remind right?
0: everybody who he coached for previously, just in case they uh,
1: know. Daryl
0: Sutter was the head
1: coach of the Los Angeles Kings. And he was the one who brought two cups to Los Angeles. Well, in addition to the team, obviously. Right. But, uh, but he led them and that was awesome. And I think the guy is just, I don't even know the word to describe him other than like Squidward, obviously. because he just sits there, He's like, <laughs> but he's a, he's a good coach. I know there's some drama with him and some of the players didn't get along with him and whatnot, but, I think that just ultimately happens when, you know, everyone is in a competitive state. Um, Not everyone agrees to each other, especially when there's a lot of testosterone going in the room. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think uh, that I'm really excited. I, they obviously lost their first game uh, last night. Obviously we were recording this earlier, but they report or lost their first game. I think that he coached. I didn't even get to watch it really, actually, unfortunately. Um, But yeah, super cool. But how really do you think he's gonna do
0: yeah like how do you think he's gonna do with the flames and he hasn't coached since leaving the kings right correct
1: right. yeah um i think he's going to do well i think they i'm sorry he hasn't coached of... in the nhl right yeah yeah um i think he's gonna do well i think he has kind of the same dynamic that he had when he started with kings where you have a young group of guys with some veterans on there and i think that he really could uh I think he could do some some damage not damage isn't a bad thing but <clears throat> damage isn't a good thing uh i think he might have some issues with matthew kachuk maybe a little bit he's not too big on uh big personalities mm-hmm. um i think drew Doughty was a, a pretty big personality for him that he wasn't really able to he i don't know if he really necessarily liked it but he did because obviously drew you know is drew but uh yeah, I, I'm excited to see what happens. I actually might start watching all their games now. So I don't know for sure. For
0: <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's crazy that he's he's come back and uh, hopefully he can do some good. I don't know much about Calgary's previous coach or the firing situation, so I can't really comment on that. But uh...
1: I do think it's funny that they fired the Calgary Flames coach. <laughs> think. <Ta-da-ding>. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That was good. Uh, that was good. Yes. Every everyone's been thinking that, so you you nailed I'm, I'm it. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> I'm sure.
1: <laughs> Welcome to my brain, everybody.
0: Welcome to the house, Kevin Kurz. He is a staff writer for the Athletic, covering the San Jose Sharks. Kevin has worked in hockey his entire career, with a start in public relations for the AHL's Philadelphia Phantoms, then joining the Philadelphia Flyers as a digital media manager. We talk about that as well. He moved to the Bay Area in 2011 to cover the Sharks for NBC Sports California, where he spent six seasons as the Sharks insider. And Kevin also frequently appears on the NHL network as a contributor. Please enjoy our conversation with Kevin.
1: Let's just jump into it. Uh, Tell everyone who you are and what you do.
2: Yeah, uh, my name is Kevin Kurz. I've been covering the Sharks for this is my 10th season. Um, and prior to that, I worked in the Flyers organization in public relations for seven years. Um, so I kind of took an interesting path here. I, I was in PR um, working directly for a team before I transitioned over to media. A lot of times you'll see the opposite happen. Um, so it, it was, again, a little bit of a different path. I never worked for a newspaper like a lot of beat writers have. Um, but I was at NBC Sports for six years, and now I've been at the Athletic for four.
1: That's awesome. So how did you get to where you currently are and how you got to, to working for the Flyers?
2: Well, yeah, I just, I interned there uh, uh, during college. Um, and then, um, you know, somebody left and I and I started out as the, uh, actually the PR guy for their minor league team. Um which was a super fun job when you're 22 years old, riding the bus with a bunch of minor league hockey players going from town to town. Um, so you know, formed a lot of close relationships and um, got some good stories out of that time. Uh, so for it two years, give us a
0: quick good story. Give oh, us a good bus um, story yeah, I, I, or a I, funny I, I, AHL story.
2: I don't, I don't know if I can tell anything specific, but it was just fun because. <laughs> You know, Like the bus all, breaking
0: down, or like needing to take a limo, or it like
2: happened one time. There was one time the bus was pulling into a hotel in Norfolk, Virginia, and the bus driver was trying to hop a curve because, or uh, a curb, I mean, to, to get uh, into the lobby and didn't see the overpass. And boom! The bus just hit the top of this overpass and just made the loudest noise. And so then the guys had to get to the game, and there was no Uber then, so they had to call cabs to get to the game, and then. Um, on the way back from Norfolk to Philly, the bus was started making this this whooshing noise, so we had to stop, and we were pulled over on the side of the road for a couple hours, and another bus had to come. We had to get on, on one bus to off one bus to get on the other, and you know it's a six-hour trip. Um, the worst trip I ever took in the miners was we had a sleeper bus from we went from again Norfolk, Virginia to Quebec City which was a 17 hour bus ride oh my god um, and I'm like low man on the totem pole so I have like no room you know all the guys have sleeper bunks in the back I'm, tr- I'm like in my little chair trying to sleep and I'm six foot three I don't really fit that well in a bus to begin with um, <laughs> and I'll, I'll I, I will re- always remember we stopped over at some little diner in Lake Placid New York at like six in the morning to have breakfast midway through the trip and then had breakfast got back on the bus and Went on ahead to Quebec City, which was a uh, you know, at least we we're going to Quebec City, a cool town after a 17-hour trip.
0: That's insane. That's such a long time on a bus.
2: Yeah. And yeah, like I imagine like
0: theory. how yeah, I was gonna say, like, how do the players do it then? Like have to get up and like skate their asses off, you know?
2: Yeah. It's, and, and the players too, but it's, it's, it's the coaches, like the Sharks yeah. uh, minor coach Roy Sommer has, has the most AHL wins and games coached in the history of the league. So he's been taking these buses and it's a little different out here now that they're out West, they fly everywhere. Cause they are most, you know, they fly a lot of places, but back East, it's all buses. It, it's driving, you know, all throughout new England, up and down uh, the East coast. Um, yeah. That's a lot of long trips. So um forget the players i feel bad for the coaches who've been doing it for 10 years
1: that's true (laughs) you know you hope for the players
2: are not doing it for more than one or two and probably builds character a little bit
1: not to mention the players are probably like a bunch of monkeys and the coaches are like come on guys like settle down
2: (laughs) yeah 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 i mean when i when i did it yeah you know at the same time though when you're a minor league hockey player it's it's you know you're supposed to go out with the boys and have a little bit of fun and and um so in that regard, it was it was it, for me. You know, I was I did that for two and a half years, and it was just a great experience. So mm-hmm. worked from that. Then, then I went. Uh, then I worked for the Flyers directly um, in PR uh, before, like I said, kind of transitioning into media.
0: Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the the relationship you have now with <clears throat> being a, a reporter, even though you're not, you know. A, specifically affiliated with the sharks like you work as an independent but you cover them it's like tell us how that works for people who are really unfamiliar with your work as a journalist of how like how do you build a relationship with the players like how do you talk to them like what are those conversations like what is that? Like, give us an inside look into the locker room or the lobby or over breakfast or wherever you are. Like, tell us like how that works and how, how you connect with them, you know, yeah. besides like the, the scrum sort of like, <laughs> just like throwing a mic in with everybody else. Like um, it's more than that. Right.
2: Yeah. It does take some time, especially, you know, coming out to San Jose, it was a little bit easier for me because it's not as big of a hockey market. So you know, where a lot of times where the relationships are formed and and where guys start to understand that you're, you know, really working your butt off is when you go on the road. Right. Um, and that's usually the best time where you can have one-on-one with guys and, and things seem a little bit looser. You know, a lot of times these guys are happy to be in Chicago. They're happy to be in Boston. And and so they're in a little bit better mood. You know, they're going out as a team together, um, either the night before the game or, or or you know, jumping on the plane afterwards. It's it's traveling with a hockey team is a unique experience. So, you know, for the beat writers, I think it's that it's 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 obviously showing up every day and going in the room. Um, but you know, it's also w- when you're on the road and 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 you have a little bit more one-on-one time with guys. And you know, mo- most beat writers after they've been doing this a while, they hate the the scrums. They and that's why Zoom sucks so bad because you know uh, you get on these zoom calls post game and it's just you know you can't really ask you're not going to get an interesting answer Mm -hmm. unless it's unless it's a unique player that is always honest which those guys are a little bit fewer and far between now um but you know after after a while um you know you start to form relationships with guys but you know you're you're not friends with them either and Mm -hmm. I, i think you know, in order to, to serve your audience and and, and and serve your employer, you have to be honest about what's going on on the ice. And, you know, you could have a conversation with one guy for five or 10 minutes about life in general, the, about, you know, where, where he, what restaurant he went to dinner to last night what, what is, you know, what sports his kids are playing. But if he has a crappy game that night, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta write about it. And um, so, you know, I, I think a lot of guys do understand that that's, part of the job and as long as you know you're walking in the room the next day and you're not trying to you know you're not trying to dodge anybody and you're you know that then you would hope there's a respect factor that listen this person is i can have a conversation with him, i can be civil with him, but he's doing his job i'm trying to do my job and um you know you hopefully everybody understands that dynamic it's it's not always that smooth but um most of the time now, I think uh, I think most guys get it.
1: Do you have a favorite story that you've been able to write on someone, or is there something that you look forward to writing about? Um,
2: that's a good question. I don't know if I have a if I have a single favorite story. I mean, you know, I can think of stories I've done the last year. I actually just did a story that went up um, this morning about. Uh, brent burns
0: yes this is on my list of like i have to we have to talk about brent burns being in vikings so oh, go yeah. for it did
2: you watch the show i didn't watch the show i wasn't all that familiar with it but he no was, i yeah. haven't
0: watched it but i was like now i'm gonna go watch that show because a hockey players in it
2: yeah 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 he was and he looked like uh you know he looked like a viking for sure so he was uh you know, I did that story where I talked to, I obviously talked, I did Zoom with him for about 45 minutes. And I think we probably did that in late January. Um, and then I talked to an executive producer and I talked to another actor on the show. And um, I talked to the woman that sewed this long braid in the back of his head. And he went out to the, pub. so, you know, Brent Burns is good topic for, i I've, some of my favorite stories have been with him. And, you know, another one I did years ago was, he lives on this ranch in the summertime and he harvests his own meat. So he he has this thing called an axis deer, which he'll hunt in the summertime on his own property. And then he'll harvest the animal and then he'll have the meat throughout the course of the hockey season. So he'll bring in these hunks of meat that he raised and killed and harvested himself, give them to the team chef and say, here, this is what I want for lunch. And the team chef will, will cook it up for him.
0: Have you been to the ranch?
2: No, I would love to do that. I would love to do that. I would, I'm going to have to maybe, I think he liked the story I did about today about Vikings. So maybe I could convince him to let me come there this summer. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's
0: another, another layer. But uh, tell us about the, his, what he said about his experience with, with the Vikings for people who haven't read your, your article.
2: Yeah. He loved it. Um, You know, he had been trying to get on the show and and unbeknownst to him at the time, the one of the executive producers of the show lived in Toronto and went to a Toronto Sharks game and saw him on the ice and thought, boy, this guy would be good for Vikings." So it was almost like, yeah, it was almost kind of meant to be um, that it, that it worked out. So, um, you know, obviously it was a great experience for him. He loved it. And, and uh, and so, you know, when, when a guy is that enthusiastic about some, you know, some experience he had, You know, hopefully I can get that to transfer in the story.
0: That's like a true Hollywood story of like they like they found him at a diner. Like they saw (laughs) Brent Burns on the ice. And then two days later, he's on set and he's never been on set. Like I love people love stories
2: later. It was a little bit of time, but uh, he got lucky because they were able to do it in early August right before like he sort of ramps up his training for camp.
1: Very cool. Jeez. He's probably so amped up after this. He's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to win the Norris this year now. <laughs> well, he did. So, so that was
2: two and a half years ago. So that was, I think 2018, he was a Norris finalist that year. I'd have to check. Yeah. He won in 2017. I think he was a finalist again in 2018. So, you know, he was at the he he was was, right. like, prime of his career when he when he did that. Yeah.
1: yeah. Crazy. So what is a day in your life like pre-COVID and... I guess during COVID too. I guess two different worlds. So yeah, I mean, typically I, I
2: was I would go to about 75% of the road games throughout the course of a season. So um, you know that gets to be a lot during the year. Um, I still love it. You know, some guys get worn out by it. I I love it. I mean, that's probably partially because I'm single and don't have any kids. So, I don't have to, you know, I'm not, I'm not too concerned if I have to go away for a week. And frankly, I look forward to it a lot of the time. Um, so, you know, obviously that's come to a halt. All the travel has come to a halt, um, for us just because there's really no value in going to a game and you can't walk in the dressing room afterwards. You can't have those discussions that I talked about where you foster those relationships on the road because you're not seeing anyone. So, um, you know, typical day in the morning, go to the morning skate. Um, I, would, I would always try to look for a unique angle at the morning skate. Um, where I work at The Athletic, it's a little bit um, easier to come up with or dive into more interesting topics because I don't have to write a lot of the BS line combination injury stuff in the morning that no one was reading anyway. I can try to flesh out some other sort of story that I could, you know, either write that night or later in the week or even a month later so you know you go to the morning skate that's that's always a good time to to get guys one-on-one because um, there's usually fewer people there in the morning um you know then i usually have some time off in the afternoon to take care of whatever you have to take care of uh personally and then go back to the rink usually about 5 30 6 o'clock um and then you know depending on if i'm writing after the game you're there till you know 12 12 some nights um and then the next day if the team's practicing at 11 you're back there at you know at the rink at ten forty-five. so um you know I, the way i explain to people is during the season i'm usually working six days a week and during the off season i'm usually working two or three days a week and by the end of the year it all sort of balances out <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. yeah for real do you have a favorite arena or city to visit when you uh, go on road games
2: uh, I love Chicago. I love Vancouver, Montreal. Um, Philly's my hometown. So I was like going back there, New York, um, Nashville, obviously everybody's like, everybody likes Nashville. Um, it's, you know, the, the, the unique part of covering hockey is maybe opposed to the other sports is that you're routinely going to another country, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Pacific division has three Canadian teams. So you're doing an Edmonton Calgary swing twice a year. You're going to Vancouver, you go through Montreal, Toronto, um, At least once a year so i think that makes it a little bit more unique that that, you know you have to cross the border so often and i know there's a lot of similarities between canada and the us but there's still enough differences that it feels um you know especially hockey in canada it feels a little bit special um when you're there especially in a place like montreal right right
0: oh yeah tell us you mentioned philly so um give us a little bit of a comparison if you will of the just like the overall vibe of the organization and the city and the fans, um, compared to where you are now with the, with the Sharks, like what's yeah. the hockey culture like in Philly? And then what's that hockey culture like in San Jose?
2: Yeah, the, it's, it's different. Um, for sure. Uh, you know, Philly's a little bit more of a blue collar, gritty town at, nope no pun intended. Um, oh, I
0: love gritty. <laughs> do you wait, do you like gritty? What's your thoughts on gritty?
2: Yeah, he's okay. I know the guy that helped design him actually. And, and uh, yeah, it's uh
0: Um can we but wait a second. Okay. Can you not tell me how amazing it was to see gritty snowboarding?
2: That was pretty slick, yeah.
0: Snowboarding. <laughs> I've never seen a mascot in my entire life just ripping it down a mountain like yeah. in that kid, costume like come on it's like good it's just good entertainment i a think.
2: young kid in that costume too i know a young uh, you know i i, I met him because they were out here for the all-star <laughs> game i still have friends when i worked there and uh i'm not surprised that he can do that i mean he, he's, he was like a former hockey player definitely like an athlete inside yeah. of that costume that much i know
0: well it's just so cool anyway sorry i digress i yeah, I, love, no, no, okay. I low-key love gritty i think he's really great for the for the league and the sport and bringing in you know, another generation and like the way they do their social media, I think is, is, is really wonderful. And it really fits what I think Philly is. I've, I've only been there for like 12 hours. So you, well, you'll you have to. Elaborate. enough,
2: The Sharks were in Philly for the, for the Flyers home opener. I guess that would have been the start of 2019, 2020 season. So our first game or the Flyers first home game was against the Sharks. So I was there and Brittany came down from the rafters. Like right. that was his first game. And, the fans weren't really into it at all right. then. So i think they were still sort of uh you know on the fence as to whether they thought it was a good idea um i know some of the traditional fans were just dead set against it because mm-hmm. in, you know in philly it's a little bit more of a just hockey only town they don't really want to any of the other sort of bs that that goes along with with mascots and whatnot but i think it's worked out now i think i think it's uh it's it worked out. So, um, it is, di- but Philly is different than, than San Jose. It's a little bit more of a hardcore hockey town. Um, the media atmosphere is different. Um, you know, and, and I, that's, you know, that, that was maybe a little bit of a struggle for me. And still at times is I, I'm, I grew up reading the Philadelphia Inquirer and, and then I worked around all these other journalists covering the team. And, and that's how I was sort of, um, molded to be as a journalist. And, you know, maybe it's a little bit less common out here in, um, in California, especially when it comes to hockey, just because there aren't as many meaty people around and, um, but you know, that's, I, I don't apologize for that. It's just, uh, that's just how it ended up.
1: Definitely. Well, I want to dive into the team a little bit more. What was your take on losing Joe Thornton, but gaining back Patrick Marlowe?
2: Well, yeah, I was, you know, I, Joe, it was time for him to leave. I think, you know, it was, I can remember back to to the pre-trade deadline last season. I was the only writer on the road at the time. And I talked to him at Madison square garden and it was maybe a week before the deadline. And I said, would you be open to, to going to a contender? And frankly, I thought he was going to say, no, no, I want to stay. I'm a shark. I want to stay a shark forever. But, but he told me, yeah, I was tempted. I'm, I'm tempted to, to go to a contender. I want a Stanley cup. And, Like, oh, okay so, you know, that story made some headlines. And then um, just based on that, uh, I thought he was going to get traded. And I know there were a lot of talks to move him. I know there were teams that maybe were mildly interested, not just not interested enough for a deal to happen. And again, coincidentally, we were in Philadelphia on trade deadline day and he didn't get traded. Um, I was told by someone maybe two hours later after the deadline that he was pretty disappointed about it and um talked to him the next morning and again he went through he's like I, I want a stanley cup i've been chasing this thing for 21 years i, I wanted a shot you know he basically said i basically said i wish i had gotten traded so seeing that you know i cover this guy for a long time and seeing that on his face and, and just because he's he's not he's he's usually pretty reserved when it comes to to being in front of the camera and being and going on the record with stuff so I kind of had a feeling that he would he would sign somewhere else. Um, I didn't know Toronto, um, but I figured he would sign with a contending team, um, just because it was so obvious that he wants a chance to win a Stanley Cup. And you know the Sharks aren't very good this year, and I'm sure he saw that he saw the writing on the wall. Um, and then when it comes to Marlow, um, you know it's a nice story. I think it's good to have him back because this team is in a transition a little bit. He's a total pro. He he leads the way for these younger guys. Um, you know, all they have to do is take a look at him to realize what it takes to stay in the league for, for two decades. And on top of that, you know, in what could be a pretty down season, um, as long as he stays in the lineup, he'll break the all-time games played record. So that'll be a nice moment. Cool.
0: Wow. Who currently has that record? Cordy Howe. Yeah. Cordy
2: Howe. Okay. He'll break the all-time, all-time games played record. Um, I think it's – I think you want to say it's April 17th, but – so many games have been moved around. I'd have to double check that.
0: Yeah. So what do you think the team needs uh, to get to have a better rest of the season, if you will?
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, they're in a tough position just because they don't have any, you know, they, they don't really have any superstars up front. They don't have any Connor McDavid's or Nathan McKinnon's or Panarins or you know, you look at their you look at their lineup. Um, especially their top six and, you know, they don't have a guy that I would put in the top 25 best forwards in the NHL. Right. So because of that, they've got to rely on their depth scoring and and that's been a little bit of an issue too, because, you know, they, because they've been so good for so long, they don't have a whole bevy or a whole stock of blue chip prospects ready to come up and lead the way. So they're in rough shape right now. Just, I mean, bottom line, uh, their goaltending hasn't been very good. Um, for the last, you know, this is the third, really third straight season of that. Um, so it's it's uh, it's it's tough times, I would say, right now. Now that said, they played their best game of the season last night um, against Colorado. They won six to two. Um, so they showed that they can kind of hang with the big boys, which I think was encouraging. But you know, that was one game. <laughs> um, I, I don't expect them to be a playoff team. I think they have too many issues to to overcome in order for it out for them to stay in the race. But um, you know we'll see where it goes it, it's 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 an odd it's an odd place for them to be in just because this team has been so good for so long and um this is really the first year where they're just not really expected i think by anyone to make the playoffs
0: go ahead brucey
1: oh my bad i was muted i think it's pretty um it's disappointing when a team kind of goes through that little rough patch i know i've had my fair share of rough patches with some teams I've, uh, I follow, but uh, is there anybody maybe on the current roster or maybe down with the, the pair of Barracuda that you're like, dang, this guy, he's, he's one to watch out for, or this guy's going to be an all-star one day, whether he's on the Sharks or another team?
2: Yeah, I would say, you know, Mario Ferraro is a defenseman right now who's worked his way up the lineup and and he kind of came out of nowhere. Well, I don't want to say he came out of nowhere. He's a second round pick, but I don't think he was expected to make the team out of camp last year. And he made the team out of camp as a rookie, never played in the AHL, Um, you know, had his rookie up rookie moments, his ups and downs uh, throughout last season. But uh, when he came to camp this year, he was ready to go. Uh, Bob Bugner just praised him from day one. Um, And He's just increased his role throughout, uh, throughout the season here, again, playing with Brent Burns, playing the top four penalty killing. He's even seen some power play a little bit. And he's a guy that I think he, he, he has such good energy and he has such good practice habits that it's a little bit too early to give him a letter, but you know, this guy has future, future alternate captain and maybe even future captain written all over him in my opinion. So, you know, he's been a bright spot. Um, and then you know the Barracuda, they don't have much, frankly. Uh, again, just because the team hasn't had many top round picks or, or, or early round, early first round picks throughout the last few years because they've been so consistently good. Um, so you know that's part of I think the 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 the, um, the pessimism of the fan base right now is well, we don't really have a great farm system either right now. So what's 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 happening here? The current team isn't very good and. Um, there aren't many prospects that are, you know, blue chip type prospects on the horizon. So, um, you know, we'll see, you know, a lot of times those guys, they can kind of come out of nowhere where there's a third, fourth, fifth round pick that can work his way up. We'll see if a guy can do that. Um, I think we need to let the AHL season play out a little bit longer to see if there's anybody like that in in this organization.
1: Definitely. And it's funny that you mentioned Mario, because I feel like his name has consistently come up like across every single platform that i've seen and um i think he's doing a pretty good job on social media too and he has his own youtube page yeah and from your point of view like what does social media do for players like how big of an impact does that have and or and also part two to the question is why do players maybe not take advantage of their social media Yeah,
2: I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they have to be careful. I feel like hockey players are a little bit more reserved when it comes to the other athletes and the other sports, um, just because I think the the culture of the sport is so team oriented that I don't think anybody wants to, to, you know, stand out amongst the crowd. Right. And, and and some guys do, right. You know, Brent Burns is a guy that, um, you know, he likes doing the commercials, obviously in the Vikings thing, like we talked about. And, Um, you know, there's some other guys, maybe Evander Kane is, 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 is a little bit unique in that sense too. Um, but I I think maybe that's changing with some of the younger players coming up guys like Austin Matthews, who's maybe a little bit more into it. Um, but I, I think at the end of the day, most guys just, just try, try to try to blend in, um, with their teammates. And that's not to say a guy like Mario Ferraro is, is, you know, I'm sure everybody on the team, no one cares that he has a YouTube page and he's showing off all of his, you know, his gadgets and his tech stuff that he's into. Um, but, you know, I, I do think just, like I said, I think, I think these guys are a little bit more just worried about um, how they're perceived within the team than, than how they might be uh, on the outside. Not everybody, but I would say the majority.
0: Well, that's a perspective I hadn't thought about, uh, that they're more focused on the team and the coaches perception of who they are as opposed to the rest of the world if you will or like thinking about how they could put themselves out on a social media platform to set themselves up for the future and create this brand and and image and marketing Um, that's an interesting insight Um, would you say that there's any other fun facts or interesting things you've learned about? any players in the league like in any of the stories maybe that you've written um in the past but like how you were talking about like burns has um you know his his exotic farm and all the the animals and like fun uh, appropriate things to share but like unique things that um maybe not everybody knows that
2: um you know logan couture is really into um the the uh, head injury stuff and trying to raise money for concussions um, and I know that's that's really important to him. Um, I know he has an event every year back home in Toronto uh, to raise money for that. So and, you know he's a guy who's had a couple couple of head injuries in his career. Um, boy, I'd have to think of some other guys here. Um, Paul Martin was like that too. Paul Martin had his charity. Um, he was a really really good guy. I think everybody respected him.
0: What about um, Jumbo Joe?
2: Joe, yeah, I I know. I remember someone told me he, he he was part owner of this bar downtown or this bar restaurant bar in Los Gatos, California, which is near San Jose. And I asked about it one day. He's like, no, nope, you can't say that's a secret. So he wouldn't let me. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Joe, Joe is just one of those guys that I think, um, you know, everyone talks about how and, and it's come out now a little bit in Toronto how he makes up these nicknames for these guys that they don't know where he gets them from, but he just sort of pulls them out of his butt, whatever, you know, so William Nylander was like Slick Willie or something like that I saw today, and, and I was, and I know in the Sharks room he had a bunch of nicknames for guys that, you know, no one could figure out how he came up with, with these nicknames, <laughs> but that's just who he is, you know. He was one of those guys that, that 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 really brought a team. was was kind of a glue guy, and you know, as as well as being one of the best players in the league for such a long time.
0: Oh, that's fun. I love, I love it. Did he give you a nickname?
2: No, no, no. He was. They just. I get called Kersey from. For whatever reason. I don't I think that might be from when I was on TV. That's what the host would call me, but no, no nicknames for me. Well, yeah,
0: you've gotta have a hockey like that's a that's what hockey players call. Like you're cursey. Like, yeah, of course. Like you know, unless you have like
2: they probably have a couple names for me that I don't know about.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, give yourself a little more credit. Yeah. Like when you go into a locker room looking like when you're obviously you're like looking for a story but you're not you can't always just you don't always know what that story is until you uncover it do you mm-hmm. do you find that there are certain stories you prefer to write like something about like um a charity or a pa- passion project of a player or um you know like the burn story or is there um, something else i'm missing that you you really enjoy like, you know what? I, too.
2: I enjoy the day-to-day hockey coverage, honestly, more than anything. And, and, and I like veering towards the off ice stuff, every, excuse mm-hmm. me, every once in a while. Um, but, but I, I do try to stick to mostly, mostly the hockey stuff. Um, yeah. you know, like for example, last, last season, Mark Edward Vlasic played in his thousandth game. And whenever a guy hits a milestone like that, you try to do something a little bit, um, you know, try to blow it out a little bit. Um, you know, and I did a story about how it was, he came up out of nowhere and he had this great rookie year and no one knew who he was before he got to camp really. And and then he ended up being one of the most important players on a very good team that year. And I went back and talked to old teammates, old coaches of his, and, and I was happy with the story, the way the story came out. So um, I do like, I do like focusing on the hockey stuff more more than, more than anything. And, Now that said, I'm glad I don't have to, like I mentioned before, I'm, let, you know, with with my website, I'm glad I don't have to go to a morning skate and write about, you know, a fourth line winger who's coming off of a thumb injury or whatever. Like our our site doesn't do that because most people don't care about that. We don't care about clicks and page views, um, so it does give me a little bit more time to sort of dig in and um, find the more unique hockey angles um, that I think people are interested in.
0: Yeah, because we've talked about this on the on the podcast and with different guests in in the hockey world of how um, we think there, or at least I think Brezy agrees with me, but we think there's a little bit more of a need to get to know some of the players off ice, but like not to the extreme of like being on a, keeping up with the kardashians get to know them you know like have a little bit more of the the social media presence of just like you know austin matthew showing his fashion air quotes um and <laughs> I, know. You know, <laughs> I won't go on a tangent on about austin matthew's fashion but um <laughs> there's with the way of like the next generation of fans coming in i think there's a level of some expectation with social media and having accessibility to so many people um that i i worry that that's going to affect fans in the future um not that every player has to be on social media or anything but Mm -hmm. do you think there will be some sort of shift or or blending of the like team first mentality along with the, like, keeping up with the times and the new fan base coming in?
2: Um, I don't know. I guess social media is so important these days that, that, you know, I think I see that more from the team side where, mm-hmm. you know, when I was in Philly, I was I was running digital media, the digital media stuff, and I was writing everything, and we were doing then We got into video, then Twitter came along, and it was like a two-person operation. Now you see these teams, and they have six seven eight person digital media department because that's become you know when, when i started out on pr it was pr was up here and digital media was up here and now it's now it's basically the opposite like the di- the digital media and 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 running the social media accounts and the website is so much more important than than a pr staff is uh frankly to me just because they're you know they put the stuff out that the majority of fans see and and you know when they screw up <laughs> that's you, you know then it makes headlines right so you got to be mm-hmm. careful with that too but um, you know, I think teams are real heavily invested in that now, and and that should help. I would I would think it it you know, bring the younger fans along. But, you know, the ticket prices are an issue too. I, I hate I, I cringe every time I see teams raise ticket prices. And around here, the Sharks, have, you know, in a normal year, almost all of their games are 7:30 at night, even on Saturdays and Sundays. I'm like, why aren't you guys playing more one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock games where you can bring in
0: families um, and you know, kids? You know,
2: yeah. Um, so, and their response is, "Well, the minor league team is here too, but I mean, that's not the same." I think you got to bring, if you want to build fans, you bring them to the big, you know, the big event where it's sold out. So, yeah,
1: I hmm. never thought about that before. About moving games up to to get more fans in the seats.
2: Yeah, I just well, know that I know they don't like doing that, and you're going to laugh, but the reason in Philadelphia was because the beer sales were less. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah. There's that's nobody around the bar for, you know, I mean, there are, but there's fewer people crowding around the bar in the arena at, uh, at 12 noon than there would be at six 30.
1: So. Well, after COVID, I don't think I don't anyone's going to have a problem with, uh, beer sales.
2: So. No, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they get people back in here by right next season. Full arena yeah. Open, yeah.
1: Crazy. So, I think this is pretty much starting to wrap it up. I think I have one more question um, before we get to our final three, but what would you say is the favorite, your favorite part about your job?
2: Um, you know, I do like the travel aspect of it and that's what I miss the most right now. I, I like, and, and it's not, it's not even the fact that you get to get, you know, I have friends in all these different cities now, cause I've been doing this for a while. Um, whether it's, you know, college friends or high school friends or people that I, that I get to keep in touch with because I get to travel city city and you know go to all these great restaurants and expense them which is nice but um it's just that it's more so the fact that that in this sport um there's just so many good people whether it's you know whether it's players you had a relationship with before or fellow media people writers broadcasters um you know it's it it really is a good sport in terms of, of the people that work in it so um you know i do miss seeing a lot of these people whether it's you know my friend in minnesota who covers the wild or you know, the Flyers radio guy who I've known for years. And just the fact that, that I guess that's just like society too now, right? Everybody misses seeing seeing everybody else in person. Um,
0: and it's not the same on Zoom.
2: No, it's not. But, but even in a normal year, you know, that, that that's my favorite part is just getting to see people that, that you don't get to see very often and, and ha- you know, have lunch with a work colleague that you respect um, or have, you know, have a beer with them him or her after the game, right?
0: Want to take it away, Ray? Sure. We'll do the final three. We ask all of our guests, no matter who they are, these three questions. Uh, who is your favorite hockey hunk? Oh, jeez. <laughs> <What? laughs> Everybody's gone on the record with something.
2: Um, well, let's see. That's a big guy. You know who I really liked when he was here? I'm going to say Brendan Dillon. Ooh. Yeah.
0: solid choice yeah and who is your when you say
2: hunk do you mean he's like
0: good looking or or very good on the ice whatever your definition of a hunk is my female
2: friends were uh were kind of liked him i think he was a little bit of a fan favorite that way but he was just a genuinely good guy off the ice you know he was someone that i'd walk in the dressing room and talk to about life in general and um and he was you know I, i i one of my favorite parts of the job is watching guys that maybe are borderline AHL NHL guys and just progress throughout the course of their careers. And he came, he came to San Jose from Dallas and um, you know, everybody thought he was okay. Right. But not necessarily a guy that was going to really stake a claim for a job, but he got better and better every year. And you know, now he's playing uh, in the top four for a Stanley cup contending team in Washington. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Who is your favorite hockey lady?
2: Um, You know, who's been a really good friend of mine for a long time, Tracy Myers in Chicago. She covers the Blackhawks for NHL.com. Her and I overlapped at NBC. She was covering the Blackhawks for Comcast Sportsnet when I was covering the Sharks. So, um, you know, whenever there were drafts or events, a lot of this of us Comcast Sportsnet writers would get together, you know, before they laid everybody off (laughs) and uh she's become a good friend of mine and, and she's someone who's great at her job and um and uh yeah
0: and the first that comes to mind yeah <laughs> and do you have a sydney crosby story
2: uh yes so i want actually i, I have two actually i have a couple oh, I, have oh. I have a really good one actually um i was it this was the, when the draft was in los angeles i feel like that was in 20 might have been was it in Los Angeles. Sidney Crosby was hadn't been around that long uh, with the Penguins, but yeah, it was in Los Angeles. So I think that was I think that was in 2010. Um, the Flyers staff and the Penguin staff were staying at the same hotel, and you know most players don't go to the draft, but Crosby was there for whatever reason with with the Penguin people. And for the Flyers, Bobby Clark was there. Um, He was still the GM. I think he was still the GM at the time. If he wasn't the GM, he was still in the front office. And uh, I'll never forget seeing uh, Sidney Crosby and Bobby Clark sitting down. I'm not sure they knew each other before this, but they started chatting at the bar. And next thing you know, they were sitting down together chatting for like an hour. And everybody else, you know, I was with some other coworkers. like, boy, I would love to hear the conversation right now that sid and bobby clark have been having for the last you know 30 45 minutes
0: yeah we've had all all good stories just so you know um of Sidney crosby yeah i you know as
2: a fly when i worked for the flyers i couldn't stand the guy i thought he was a a diver and you know like like a lot of people did when he was first coming up and um but now in media like you walk into the room and and he knows that everybody wants to talk to him and, and he to me he's always been so respectful of of uh of the media and appreciates that, you know, sometimes a visiting writer's there that never gets to talk to him or see him, but he'll, you know, he'll sit there and answer your question from what I can tell nine times out of 10. So, um, you know, you have to respect guys that do that.
1: Absolutely. Well, big fan of uh, anyone who takes the time, just like you, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to chat with us and tell, uh, tell our listeners where they can follow you.
2: Uh, i'm twitter at uh kate kerr's nhl and then uh the athletic um which i think uh you know i think most hockey fans know where we are at this point
1: yeah, i think so yeah. awesome well thank you so much for coming on
2: sure you got it thanks for having me
1: uh we're gonna follow up this episode we've never done a follow-up episode i
0: guess like, um, a, like a post script if you will
1: post yeah our post show recap yeah i don't know it's not even really a recap maybe kind of well all i've got to say is kevin said a few things in this this episode and we thought that maybe we should comment uh comment on them and just for fun i guess
0: right Yeah. yeah yeah i think we should i wanted i think the um Stuff about Joe Thornton giving really weird nicknames to players yeah. that had, like, zero contacts that nobody understood <clears throat> except Joe Thornton, I thought was very Joe Thornton. But yeah. What kind of nickname would you give me, like, if you were Joe Thornton? What What do you think he would nickname me?
1: Man, that's hard. I feel like, I mean, you're already the hockey lady, so.
0: But, but it's like, got to be, not, like, no, super no.
1: off the wall that makes no sense. Super off the wall. That makes no sense. Hmm. Well, this one kind of makes sense. You go by Ray Ray. Mm-hmm. Would you be the Ray of sunshine?
0: <laughs> sunshine.
1: <laughs> sunshine. You just be sunshine.
0: Sunshine. Have you seen yeah. River of the Titans? No. Oh, there's a great <laughs> scene in there where they nicknamed the guy from California sunshine. So <laughs> well, there you go. Maybe you'd be sunshine. I think you would be spice spice or like oregano or something you know like something <laughs> super <laughs> random because you like to cook right but like yeah or like paprika is that paprika, pap- paprika. yeah
1: mm. i like paprika. oregano
0: oregano, A- oregano. A- hey oregano oregano and wow. sunshine now coming to you from the house of hockey podcast <laughs> oregano and sunshine all right i'll go for it why not <laughs> that should be the name of like a Twitch channel or something. <laughs>
1: Sunshine and oregano.
0: <laughs> that's actually
1: kind of cool. Yeah, I don't know, I kinda of like it actually. So Brent Burns. <laughs> he well, how did he word it? He farms his own meat? Yeah. Is that what he said? He
0: yeah. 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 I so think would you right.
1: eat would you eat meat from Brent Burns' farm? Or yeah. that he has Butchered, uh, whatever
0: and butchered and butchered, yeah, and, yeah, and raised and mm, yeah, mm, yeah, meat. He's raised, yeah. That's kind of <laughs> yeah. right. Of course, of course, yeah. I would eat anything that Brent Burns gave me from his farm. Yeah, yeah, I would too. Yeah, I would know that those animals were probably getting fed the best animal feed out there because yeah. Brent Burns can afford it, and they're probably really well taken care of and yeah. if he knows how to cook which that i don't know and i haven't heard any proof of but as long as he knows how to cook meat you know what you know what i've changed my mind i would eat brent burns's farm-raised animal meat if breezy barbecued it <laughs> i like that
1: i would do that I because would breezy easily... is a really good barbecuer of Ooh, all the things.
0: You. Would you eat Burn- yeah. Burns' uh, cooking and of uh, farm animals?
1: I would. You know, I'm not one for... I know this is probably bad to say since I love eating, you know, meat. But I don't think I could ever physically harm an animal. So I don't know if I could be the one to do it. But if he were to do that, I would definitely cook it. I've seen... I do believe that he smokes... A lot of his stuff i think he did a series or something i don't know maybe it was just like a a little segment he might have done for the sharks or for the nhl network or something. i think i remember seeing him do something like that um i don't think i would eat it if he seasoned it with only oregano no because <laughs> <laughs> that sounds terrible
0: no you, i don't but, think you uh, put oregano on meat
1: Maybe a little on chicken
0: if you're doing like an (gasps) Italian-style chicken, but.
1: Yeah, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and say yes to that,
0: Sunshine. Thanks for coming over to our House of Hockey podcast and hanging out with us. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. And in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. Just look for House of Hockey podcast. We'll be back next week.